Thank you, Dr. McMillan, and thank you, Blue Mountain College. Uh, as many of you know, I'm a graduate of one of the three Baptist schools here in Mississippi, and it's been my privilege in these later years to become familiar with Blue Mountain Christian University. I just said Blue Mountain College, excuse me. And I have had the privilege on multiple occasions now of touring the campus and meeting with faculty and meeting with leadership there. And it truly is a jewel here in North Mississippi and a wonderful place for Christian education. And also, as parents and grandparents, as you're thinking about where your student might go, it is a great value. My wife and I have already been looking at this, the, the cost of education compared to other uh, comparable schools across the state is an immense value at Blue Mountain. So I would highly encourage you to pray about that and look into that for your family. And one of the best things about it is that, Dr. McMillan, how long does it take to get there? 35 minutes. They won't be that far from home. So <laughs> anyway, so thank you all so much for being here today. And we want to continue to pray for Blue Mountain Christian University, and also we uh, look forward to continuing to support you all financially in addition to our commitment through the cooperative program. And thank you, and God bless you all. I would encourage each of you to take your copy of the Lord's Word today and turn to Deuteronomy chapter 6, Deuteronomy chapter 6, verses 4 through 9. This morning's message is on the family, but we've moved now out of marriage, and now we're going to talk about kids. And the title of this morning's message is uh, Raising Kids Without Raising Cain. So I figured that that was a, a good place to start. It's interesting, as we begin in talking about the Scripture, it seems like raising children is of utmost importance. I mean, everyone in this room is here as the result of someone raising you, uh, whether positively or negatively, you're here because of someone. We're all deeply indebted to those who've raised us to be where we are today. Did you know that the Bible says very little about raising children? In fact, there are less than 20 verses in the entire Bible that pertain specifically to raising children. And in fact, if you look at how it speaks those verses of the less than 20 that are there that actually talk about what to do in raising them, the Bible says precious little. Now, how is it that something so significant, something so pivotal, something so foundational for all of us is said and mentioned so little in the Holy Scripture? Well, I think there's... a at least a few reasons for that. But before we talk about those, let's talk about what's there as opposed to what's not there. Because if there are just precious few of these verses on raising children, the ones which are there become of utmost importance. And we want to begin here in Deuteronomy 6, 4 through 9. I'm going to read the scripture and then I'm going to give you three main statements this morning. First time I've ever done that. We normally only have one, but we're going to have three. So here is the scripture today coming from Deuteronomy chapter 6, verses 4 through 9. Instructions by God through Moses to the children of Israel. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. 
You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your might. And these words that I command you today shall be on your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children and you shall talk of them when you sit in your house and when you walk by the way and when you lie down and when you rise. You shall bind them as a sign on your hand and they shall be as frontlets between your eyes. You shall write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. So, three statements today. Number one, obey the commands on parenting and humbly listen to the wisdom of Scripture. Obey the commands on parenting and humbly listen to the wisdom of Scripture. Let me unpack that for just a brief second. There is a difference in the Scripture. All Scripture is inspired by God. It's equally inspired. We have the Bible God wants us to have. But not all Scripture is the same. There are different kinds of Scripture. There is the law, for instance, which Deuteronomy, which literally just means the second law, it is a restatement of the first law, which would have been found in Exodus and somewhat of Leviticus. But it is the law, the commands are found in the first five books of the Bible, especially in the Old Testament. You also find commands in the Scripture in Jesus. For instance, I'm thinking specifically of the Sermon on the Mount, and then they're also scattered throughout his teaching as well. There are commands in the writings of Paul. But then there's also wisdom literature, like the Proverbs. Proverbs are not commands. Rather, they're reflections on the commands and reflections on the story. Primarily, the Bible is a story. And sprinkled throughout the story are commandments and then also wisdom writings. And of course, there's prophetic writings and historical writings as well. But for our purposes today, let's think about commands and wisdom writings. Wisdom is not a command. It is the application or the seeking to understand the command. And much of the verses concerning parenting are, interestingly enough, found in wisdom passages, not commandment passages. But we just read the command. The command specifically, if you look down at the Scripture again, Verse 7, you shall teach them diligently to your children. You shall talk of them when you sit in your house and when you walk by the way and when you lie down and when you rise. The command is that you shall take the words of God and teach them to your children. That is the commandment. So main statement number one is obey the commands on parenting and humbly listen to the wisdom scripture regarding parenting. Also, um, principle number two is this, or main statement number two, is too many Christians become advocates of the application of the commands and wisdom in scripture regarding parenting. This is something that I've noticed through the years is that there are different styles of parenting and for different families 
and different situations and different parts of the world, parenting just looks different. And there can be many styles of parenting that are faithful to the commands of Scripture. But our temptation is, is we find what works for us, and then we say, wow, this clearly must be the way of God. And since I love God and I love my kids, I'm going to obey Him and I'm going to do this, fill in the blank. And I guess if everybody else is out there and they don't do this, they clearly don't love God and they clearly don't love their children. It happens. Like, for instance, I've noticed this as a pastor, not so much in Tupelo, but it seemed like when I served in larger cities, this conversation came up a lot. It was the question of what is the most godly thing to do? Homeschool your children, send your children to public school, or send them to private school. And it seemed that there were strong voices and advocates for each one. People that argued for public school said, hey, listen, I want my children to be prepared for real life and to be a part of a real and active mission field. Private school kids said, listen, I want my children to have Christian education, to have foundational values taught on a regular basis, reinforcing what they're hearing at church and at home. That's of utmost importance, too. And then homeschool is like, listen, I don't want my children to have any kind of outside influence. I want to take real the responsibility of Deuteronomy 6 and me be the primary discipler and teacher of my child. All of those things, you could make a good argument for each of them. But the danger is this, is that whichever one that God leads you to is that you look at it and then also look at everybody else and say, well, I just guess uh, they don't love their kids because they're not doing what I'm doing. And the problem is, is that we become an advocate of an application of wisdom rather than an advocate of the commands and the Word of God, which leads me to main statement number three. Nearly every application of Scripture is an oversimplification of the Scripture. This does not make applying Scripture wrong. It means that my application and your application of Scripture is only ever our application. The authority of Scripture lies in the Word of God alone. Here's what I mean. You and I may choose based on the wisdom of the Word of God and applying it to our lives to make certain decisions of what we allow in our life and what we do in our parenting and what we do in our groups of friends, things like that, what we do in our church. But remember, our application is exactly that. It is us choosing how we're taking the infallible Word of God and applying it to our lives. But remember, the infallibility lies in the Word of God, not in our application. This doesn't mean application is bad. We need to do application. We need to apply it to our lives. The Word of God, that is. However, it's the reminder that we should all be humble. There are going to be people that are going to apply the same word differently and maybe are doing so in a way that is faithful to the Scripture as well. We just don't see it particularly eye to eye on such issues. But before I go any further, I want to share with you a blessing verse. As a, a parent of six children, I have five that are in my regular care. Uh, my son passed away in 2018 at three and a half. And he is the only one that I don't worry about because Jesus is watching him and he is a-okay. But these other five are going to kill me. But um, Psalm 127 verse 3, 
this is a good reminder. Behold, children are a heritage from the Lord, the fruit of the womb a reward. Behold, children are a heritage from the Lord, the fruit of the womb a reward. This past Thanksgiving, when we had our church Thanksgiving feast together and we were all enjoying a meal together. My children were going everywhere and the temperature gauge was rising in me internally. Of course, I'm your pastor and you can't actually see that in the moment, but it was, right? But I'm trying to act dignified, but I'm giving Andrea looks and she's giving me looks and we're thinking, oh my goodness, what are all these people thinking? My children, y'all, please just, please, 15 minutes, 15 minutes, right? And but someone who knows me really well because we work regularly together is Pastor Randy Wood. He pulled me aside later and he said, listen, son, you're going to miss these days when they're gone. You're going to miss these days when they're gone. And he's not wrong. He's not wrong. I had a daughter turn 16 years old last week. She is loose in society. She has a vehicle. So God be with all of you. Um, but... I have found as a young parent and now as a middle-aged parent that indeed children are a blessing from the Lord. So let's talk about parenting today. Principle number one I want you to see is children need parents who love the Lord and will teach them His Word. Children need parents who will love the Lord and will teach Him His Word. There is no substitute for a parent teaching their children the Word of God. You see it right there in Deuteronomy chapter 6. It is your responsibility, my responsibility to teach our children the Word of God. And not just, don't think lecture, think conversation. Notice the scripture says again in verse number 7, you shall teach them diligently to your children. You shall talk of them when you sit in your house and when you walk by the way. Now, I want you to understand this. We have things, we try to do it as often as we can. Sometimes things get complicated with all these little people in the house. We try to have regular Bible readings together as a family. But do you know when this scripture was written, nobody would have had a Bible. Nobody would have even had a scroll. The, the priests would have kept those things. So talking about the scripture would have been primary it would have been, let's talk about what we heard when we went and listened to the priest teach at the synagogue, or in this time, teach at the tabernacle, or sitting at the feet of Moses. Talking about with your children the reflections on what you've heard about the Scripture as you've grown up. It's important to have that conversation. There are many of us that think, Brother Matt, I just don't have time to sit down and read with my children. Yeah, but you have time to talk with them about the Word of God. There are stories of heroes in this book. I, I tell my little boy stories about these heroes because he loves heroes. Again, we talk about the Word of God together. Children need parents who love the Lord and will teach them His Word. Friends, your children's love of God begins with your love for Him. Your children's love of God begins with your love for Him. It's interesting to me that in Deuteronomy 6, before it says, teach your children, it says, love the Lord. Deuteronomy 6, 4 says, hear, O Israel, the Lord your God is one. You shall love the Lord. Not hear, O Israel, the Lord your God is one. Now straighten those kids out and teach them. No, 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 no. 
Hear, O Israel, the Lord your God is one, and you, you parent, you mom, you dad, you grandfather, you grandmother, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. All of these things. So your children's love of God begins with your love for him. And in doing so, the way you demonstrate this is that you saturate your life and your home with Scripture. You saturate your life and your home with Scripture. And I want to go ahead and move on to the next point here, sub-point, to work these together. To be intentional about the Scripture as well. Um, one, one of the things about saturating your life and home with Scripture is that it is involved in your conversations. It's involved when you do have opportunity to sit down and read the Scripture with them. When you have a teachable moment with them and you need to provide direction or correction, bring it back to the Scripture. That way the authority goes beyond you. It's pointing to the Scripture itself. Proverbs 22.6 says, The rod and reproof give wisdom, but a child left to himself brings shame to his mother. Children need the Scripture. A child left to themselves without correction or direction will bring shame to their parents. Not because they're bad kids in the sense of worse than any of the rest of us. It's the fact that we're all born outside of God's garden in the perfect world that He made for us and are affected by this rebellion called sin. And a child left to themselves, himself or herself, will bring shame to their parents. Why? Because children need correction and direction. Which brings me to the next main principle, which is this, is that children need discipline. Children need discipline. Now, this goes beyond, this is not really spoken of in Deuteronomy 6, but I'm going to give you a few scriptures as we move through this. But the Bible teaches us that discipline teaches children, boundary, children boundaries are real. The discipline teaches children boundaries are real. They learn authority through this process. What is discipline? Discipline is this next thing. It Discipline is for the purpose of correction and redirection. This is something that I, it's been an adult for me, adulthood, until I understood this. The Bible's understanding of discipline is not the typical, or at least the frequent, maybe it's not typical, the frequent understanding of discipline in the southern culture that we live in. Often, in Southern culture, discipline is punitive. What do I mean by that? You've done this, well, you're going to have to pay for what you've done. You are going to have to pay for it and suffer for it. Now, the Bible teaches that discipline is necessary, but it's not for the purpose of paying for what you've done. The ultimate purpose is for correction and redirection. Now, there could be repayment in there if you broke something. Disciplining them, making them pay for what they've broken, something like that could include repayment. But it's for the purposes. It's not for making them pay. It's for teaching them. 
It's for helping them to learn. The purpose of discipline is for correction and redirection. Listen to Proverbs 29.15. The rod and reproof give wisdom, but a child left to himself brings shame to his mother. Um, oh, that must have been a typo there. Uh, that shouldn't have been that verse. But let's go on to the next one. Proverbs 29.17. Discipline your son and he will give you rest. He will give delight to your heart. Now, I know it's kind of not very vogue to talk about disciplining your children today. You don't want to squash their personality. You don't want to get in the way of them blossoming into whoever it is that they are going to be one day. But don't take my word for it. Take the Word of God. Children without discipline will bring disaster. Now, it is true that in discipline, discipline must be done right. Never discipline without cause. Never discipline without cause. Ephesians 6.4 says this, Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. Also, Colossians 3.21, Fathers, do not provoke your children lest they become discouraged. Even a child is able to understand correction and discipline when they've done something wrong. But make sure it's the result of a wrong choice. That they have made a mistake, they've sinned, they've done something that is wrong. Therefore, it merits correction and redirection. Don't discipline them for an accident. Don't discipline them for being clumsy or growing into their body. Don't discipline them for just being a child. Don't discipline them because they're not able to understand what you, an adult, are able to understand. You discipline a willful, wrongful decision for the purpose of correction and redirection. Never discipline without cause. Because if you do, you will frustrate your child and you will cause them to resent even the good discipline as you apply it to them. Also, disciplining your children is mandatory according to the Scripture. This is not up for debate in the Scripture. Disciplining your children is mandatory in the sense that it's expected and required of God. Now, you don't have to because you can make your own choices. But God expects you to. There's a couple of things. There's a story I'm reading through the Scripture this year, and I just read this story. Um, and this comes from the New Living Translation, 1 Samuel 3.13. This is Eli, the high priest. He had two wicked sons, Hophni and Phinehas. But it's interesting. God did punish Eli's sons and discipline them severely uh, for their wickedness. But it's interesting that God holds Eli responsible the daddy responsible because, not because of his son's choices. That was not what he was held responsible for. He was held responsible because he had refused to discipline his sons. Listen to 1 Samuel 3.13. This is God speaking. I have warned him that judgment is coming upon his house or upon his family forever because his sons are blaspheming God and he hasn't disciplined them. Notice, God's 
judgment that he was going to bring and discipline he was going to bring upon Eli's house was not because of his son's behavior, but because of Eli's refusal as a father to restrain his son's behavior and discipline them. Listen to Proverbs chapter 23 and verse 13. This is not a command, but it's wisdom, and you've got to listen to it. Do not withhold discipline from a child. If you strike him with the rod, he will not die. He's saying, strike him with the rod. This is talking about corporal punishment here. He said, well, I don't like corporal punishment. Well, the Bible talks a lot about it. But you know what? There's not a command in the Scripture that says you must do corporal punishment. It says you must discipline. But the Bible talks frequently about corporal punishment. The command is to discipline. You can't say, well, you know, I'm just, I'm not going to worry about it. I'm just going to let my kids just kind of grow up and fall where they fall. That's a disaster, and that will be on you. That would be on me. Discipline is not optional. Let's move on to a more preferable part of parenting. Um, and that's principle number three, is children need your mercy. Children need your mercy. Mercy is how God treats His children. Boy, I can remember I have such wonderful parents. In fact, in preparing for this message, I called my mom and dad and told them how grateful I am for them and my upbringing. It seemed growing up that it was... I'm trying to say this correctly. God help me. Don't let me say something dumb. But it seemed I could appreciate faster mom in the moment. With dad, sometimes it took a little time for me to appreciate him. And here's why. Mom was the comforter and dad was the teacher. Now, that didn't mean that dad couldn't comfort and mom couldn't teach. But mom was the comforter and dad was the teacher. So there's always an immediate appreciation of the comforter. There's almost always delayed appreciation for the teacher. But now that I'm old, I told my dad this last year. I said, Dad, I said, you and I agree about everything, about 99, probably 0.9% of everything out there. And I said, there's a few things that I disagree with you on. He said, well, what are they? I said, Dad, I don't want to talk about it. (laughs) I said, but we agree on pretty much everything except for a handful of things. And I said, I had this epiphany, Dad. I thought to myself, even taking my dad's mistakes on his views and even taking into consideration what I think he thinks wrongly about, if I would have done everything that my mom and dad had told me throughout my life, my life would have been easier. Even taking into consideration their liabilities, my life would have been easier if I would have just done everything they said. And he said, well, well, thank you. I said, well, thank you. I'm just, I hate that I'm like 37 and just now saying that. I wish I could have said it at 17. But anyway, continuing on. Mercy is how God treats his children. Listen to Psalm 103, 8 through 13. One of my favorite Psalms. The Lord is merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. He will not always chide nor keep his anger forever. If God is our heavenly father doesn't stay mad at us, don't stay mad at your kids. He does not deal with us according to our sins, nor repay us according to our iniquities. God's not paying us back for everything either. 
let some stuff go. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his steadfast love towards those who fear him as far as the east is from the west. So far does he remove our transgressions from us as a father shows compassion to his children, so the Lord shows compassion to them uh, who fear and to those who fear him. Be quick to forget your children's mistakes. Once you're past them, forget about it. They don't matter anymore. God's forgiven them. You should too. I should too. Also, never give your children what they deserve. Because does God ever give you what you deserve? Never. Psalm 103, 13 through 14, as a father, again, shows compassion to his children. So the Lord shows compassion to those who fear him, for he knows our frame, and he remembers that we are dust. Before I read this, Paul Tripp, who's a, a Christian counselor in the New England, um, I want to quote one of our own members. Um, I can't remember the issue. It's been probably about five years, and I, I was talking about a, a conversation that I was going to have very generally in the office. I was going to talk to my children. And Audrey Leckie, one of our members here, she, her husband is a deacon here, uh, Dr. Charlie Leckie. Uh, Audrey was there listening to me, and I got her permission to share this story. Uh, she said, uh, Brother Matt, just remember that they remember your reaction long after they remember what happened. Man, it was like she reached out and gave me $100. That's wisdom. Your children remember your reaction long after they remember whatever the situation was. Never give your children what they deserve. Listen to Paul David Tripp. No parent gives mercy better than the one who's convinced that they desperately need mercy themselves. From time to time, people will say, I'm just not a merciful person. Well, to be a merciful person, you have to have experienced mercy. And if you haven't had to have a lot of it, then bless you. God bless you. But for most of us, we've needed a lot of it. And what you've had, you need to return and give away. Number four, because we're running short on time. Children need your unfailing, unwavering, unconditional love. For this is how our Heavenly Father loves us. Show love and say love. Show love and say love. And you say, well, that's not just how I was raised. My daddy, I lived with him for 55 years, and you know what? He never said, I love you one time. I'm not saying he wasn't a good dad, but I'm saying the pattern for being a good dad is ultimately not your dad or my dad. It is our heavenly father, and our heavenly father shows it and speaks it. He showed it forever by sending his son to the cross, sending his only begotten son to the cross to prove forever that he loved the world. But then he also speaks it. Throughout his word, he speaks it over and over again to confirm his love for his children. And then finally, number five, which is this, is that God has your back. I was looking at this child psychologist article. A friend of mine, Dr. Nathan Van Horn at First Baptist Church of Corinth, he said, man, you got to check this out. He sent me this information, and this child psychologist said, in order for a parent not to mess up their child, I was like, ooh, you got my attention, all right? You have to get it right at least 30% of the time. And I don't know where she got that, but she's a child psychologist. She's a trained child therapist. And the trained child therapist said, you know what? Kids are real forgiving. If you'll just get three out of 10, y'all, you make three out of 10 free throws, you're playing for no team anywhere. All right? 
But the, th- the child psychologist said, hey, three out of ten, they'll forgive you. Because guess what? They've never been a kid before, and we've never been parents before, and we're learning as we go. But most importantly is this, is God has your back. He loves your children more than you do, and he feels the same about you. I'm not trying to use the word feel to make this sensual. That, oh, God just loves you. feels it. That's true. Read Song of Solomon. God wrote that. It is true. But the way that God is committed towards your children, he's also committed towards you and me. And don't forget about it. Don't be discouraged. Keep bringing your children to church. Keep praying for them. Keep reading them the Bible. And you know what? God will continue the good work that he started. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you so much for this time together. Lord, I pray you would help each of us as we seek to raise our children in a way that honors you. Lord, I know that messages like this, whenever I hear them, I immediately think of what I'm not doing as a parent. Lord, where I need to grow and where I need to change, Lord, point that out in my heart so I can make those changes and strengthen me to do those. And Lord, Um, where I need to trust and stop worrying, Lord, point that out too. And let me rest upon your word. Lord, we love you. And Lord, I do pray for these parents, grandparents, aunts and uncles, families here. Lord, help us as we seek to raise your children. For it's in the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen and amen.